Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Black Label presents Heavy Montreal, the heaviest festival in Canada. Back for a 10th edition, two days of rock and metal. July 27th and 28th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau. Witness Slayer perform their last show in Quebec ever. Performances by Ghost, Godsmack, Evanescence, Slash, Anthrax, Steel Panther, Kill Switch Engage, and many more. 40 bands playing four stages on a festival site that you have to see to believe. Festival passes are on sale now. Visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avanco. It's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. We have Ian Hill from Judas Priest on the show today. But before we get into the actual interview and episode, I want to give a shout out to the actual people who support this podcast. And they do that via Patreon. I know some of you prefer the PayPal donations, and those are still cool. If you want to you know, give a PayPal donation, just go to TalkingRock.net. You can do it from there. And uh, if you want to join me on Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash talking metal. That is what supports all the videos that Emily and I do and all the podcasts that we do. Of course, there's this one, Talking Metal, the most popular of the bunch. Then we have Talking Rock that I do with Joey Haney. Uh, and then there's an exclusive one that only the patrons get on Patreon. And it is the Mark Striegel podcast. So, and I do that with Victor Ruiz. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. And and just, again, thank you to all you people on Patreon. I completely appreciate your support. And you, of course, are Anthony Mackey, At Metal Dan, Drake, Emma Clayton, Fred Roots, Jerry from Long Island, James Bennett, Jason Seth, Jay Beninsky, J.B. Allen, Jean Francois, uh, Blias, Joe, John Bouvoiry, Matt Carroll, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Mr. David Gray, Miles Atwood, Patrick Schwartz, Ralph Petrie, Ron Keel, Sam Soupy, Sean Morgan, Steve Hoker, Steven Saylor. You guys rock. And of course, Victor Ruiz is on Patreon with us, doing his thing, helping me run the page there. And uh, yeah, what, what a blast we're having. I love the polls. I love the exclusive videos we're giving you, the exclusive podcast. There's different tiers. You get different uh, types of rewards, depending on what tier you sign up for. And uh 
one of our patrons, Ron Keel, man, I just got to do his his podcast. So that was pretty exciting and cool. And I'll definitely let you know when that interview's up. Okay. So here we go. Let's, uh, yeah, let's start the episode. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids. Judas Priest, Diamonds and Rust, the Joan Baez cover. 
Yeah, man, love that tune. And, you know, when I was a kid, I went back and I traced it back because I love that song so much. I, got to say, I said, I got to hear the original. And, man, I, I don't know. The original is good, but the Joan Baez original. But, man, that's that's what it's all about for me, the Judas Priest version of that song. Green Man Alishi was also a, a cover. And they, again, did the same thing with that one. Uh, the Fleetwood Mac version just <laughs> doesn't even hold a candle to, to the Priest version. Priest rocking out some good covers uh, when they do it, with maybe the exception of Johnny Be Good. I, I think I got to pass on that one, you know. But, anyways, we have... Ian Hill, the bassist of Judas Priest. He's been there since the beginning. This is the founding member, one of the founding members of the band. And yeah, what an honor to talk to him. I know we had him on once before saying, hey, this is Ian Hill and you are of Judas Priest and you are listening to Talking Metal. But we never had an actual interview. We had to let like an ID. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this interview with the one and only Ian Hill, big thanks to Jen from Chipster for helping set this up. This is No Surrender off Firepower, a little sound sample of this song. I encourage you to go buy the whole thing on iTunes, stream it on Amazon Music or Spotify or wherever you do your music, YouTube music, you know how to do it. So again, No Surrender off of the the album that came out last year, Firepower by Judas Priest, a great, great album. So let's check it out and hear from Ian Hill. Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and what an honor. For the first time ever on the podcast, we have the one, the only, Ian Hill of Judas Priest. How are you, man? I'm fine, thanks. How you doing? I, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited. You guys are about to hit the road once again here in the States with Uriah Heep for a, uh, a pretty extensive tour, and you teased a little song online the other day, Rapid Fire off of British Steel, which I'm, I'm psyched to hear that. I'm imagining that's probably going to be in the set list because you guys were rehearsing it there. Uh, how, how different will the set list be this tour? Uh, it's going to be quite a lot different, to be honest. We've already been around twice. <laughs> right. So we thought we'd better check it up, shake it up a little bit, you know. So uh, there'll be, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe eight as many as nine new songs in the set. Wow. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing some, some of the new record and some of the old favorites and some that we haven't played for a long time, you know. 
So it'll be uh, it'll be something new for everyone with a bit of luck. Awesome. That's that's amazing, and I think that's a great idea to keep the uh, the fans interested in, in coming back for more. I can't wait to hear some of these. So you're you're when you go back and learn some of these songs that you haven't played in years and years. I mean, is it? Do you just listen to it and you kind of say, oh, I remember what I did there? Or do you actually have to sit down and, and relearn them from scratch? Yeah, I've sort of had to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> There's just been so many songs over the years, you know. Um, if it's a song that we've we've done compatibly recently within the last, I don't know, five, six years, ten years even, you know, it, it comes back easily, you know, easier than it would do. But uh, some of the ones, you know, some of the early ones that we haven't played for decades or maybe even, uh, you know, ever before, you know, obviously, you know, you, you're not familiar with them anymore and you have to sort of start again. So it doesn't take long, you know, it doesn't take long. It, uh, it, it all comes back quickly. Right on. And Andy is doing a great job with you guys. I really uh, enjoyed seeing him play the last two times I've seen you live. And how long do you imagine he'll be continuing on with Priest? Is he still a temporary member? Is he more permanent at this point? Um, it is something to be discussed, really. Uh, I mean, Andy is now, these days, first and foremost, a producer. Um, whether he wants to, um, you know, go back to doing that full-time or not, you know, it's uh, sort of, uh, it'll be a mutual decision when the time comes. I mean, Andy will be more than welcome to stay. He's done a tremendous job over the last... Uh, over the last year or so, really, you know, he's done a great job stepping in for Glenn. Um, it would have been very difficult if he hadn't have been there at such short notice, you know, um, because we didn't realise that Glenn couldn't uh, couldn't handle, the, you know, the, the intensity of touring anymore until, you know, I mean, we were only about three weeks away from, from starting the tour. <laughs> yeah. And Andy stepped in, you know, did a great job. Uh, he pulled a real rabbit, uh, rabbit out of the hat, you know, in, in learning a a complete set list of songs in such a short period of time. It's, um, he pulled it off anyway, you know. Yeah. And as time's got on, um, obviously his stage presence, he got more uh, sort of comfortable with that. And uh, and he's performing great now, you know. So when the time comes, I mean, we'll give it to the end of this run and then see uh, see what everybody wants to do, you know. But as I say, he'll be more than welcome to, uh, to carry on with us if that's his plan. Right. Okay. So the decision is is basically up to him. Yeah. 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 Pretty much so. Yeah. I mean, we'll understand either way. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, he he put some he put some work aside to, to do this, and obviously he's uh, he's anxious to, to to get back and finish that off. Although he's probably doing some of that now as we speak. Right. Uh, in this in this uh, short break that we've got. But like like I say, you know, if uh, if he wants to continue, that's uh, entirely up to him, really. But at this point, you guys don't have anyone in mind or anyone you're looking at that could potentially step in to replace him. No, not not at the time being. No, um, I mean the plan at the moment is to go to the end of the uh, U.S. run. Uh, that'll take us up to the end of June. Um, and we were going to do some rearranged uh, Ozzy Osbourne dates. We were special guesting with him. Right. But he unfortunately got rather sick, you know, and had to, had to cancel. And uh, that's now being pushed back to February. So we've pretty much got the rest of the year off uh, to sit back and, uh, and you know, see where we go from here, you know. The plan, obviously, is, um, is, is to tour next year with uh, 50-year celebrations. Um, and if Andy's with us, great. If, if, he, if he wants to carry on with his producing, I mean, we'll more than understand that. Uh, he's done a tremendous job and... Uh, 
it'll go with uh, you know with everyone's blessings. But uh, like I say, we'll we'll, we'll put time to, to consider that over the next few months or so. Absolutely, and you guys are heading out with Uriah Heap, who is a band that's been along around a very long time. Have you had any uh, history with them? Do you know Mick and the guys? How well do you know Uriah Heap? We've um, yeah, they they worked with us just recently. Um, not a very long run, but they did some work, I believe, some American shows, and uh, we've run into each other um, over the past eighteen months or so uh, in Europe. You know, some of the festivals and what have you. Um, we we know them very mildly. I mean, we've met and we 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 know them to nod to in the streets, sort of thing. But uh, but with this tour, you know, we we can forge some some decent friendships there. We, uh, we we admire their work, you know. Of course, their um, reputation precedes them, and uh, we're looking forward to working with them. Absolutely. In the past, I've done interviews with with Glenn and with KK, and I've always asked them about the the Turbo record because among some of your fan base, the record was always a little controversial with the you know, different image and and the keyboards were a little more prominent. Commercial hooks, really, you know, with with the songwriting. And both of those guys told me they really, really like that record a lot. And I wanted to get your opinion looking back on that record these many years later. How, how do you view the Turbo record? Well, I mean, underneath all the, the keyboards and what have you, you know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great heavy metal album. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The material's great. Um, uh, I don't know, you've you, you already spoken with Ken and Glenn, so uh, they'll, they'll probably tell you we had uh, first option. On the, the Roland guitar synthesizer, you know, right? And uh, we, we we took up we took that up, probably overdid it, <laughs> but uh, but it was I don't know it was it was a, experimental. Um, we, we were looking for we've always tried to take a step forward and you know looking for something different with every album, and um, we got a tough act to follow really uh, after. Uh, after Defenders of the Faith, and this came along, and we thought maybe that's it, you know. Uh, and as you say, it was it was uh, it, it had mixed reception. I mean, it lost us some fans, and it sort of gained us some new ones, I suppose. So um, it was good and bad in equal measures from that point of view. Um, but yeah, there's some great songs on there. There's some great songs on on Turbo, and it was a great uh, great project, really. Um, obviously, after that. We went with a harder edge with Ram It Down. And uh, obviously I followed up up that one with Painkiller. And um, I think carried on from from there when Rob came back to the band in 2004, you know. Yeah, I I, I, I like the album. I like it. There's some good songs on there, great songs. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. And, you know, back in the day when I was a kid listening to Judas Priest, a teenager, it seemed like you didn't really do a lot of the interviews. But in more recent times, it seems like you're doing more interviews for the band. Is it something you're more comfortable with nowadays, doing actual press? Uh, well, yeah, I've always been comfortable with it, really. Um, it's just that everybody seemed to want to speak to, to either Rob Gunner Glenn in, in those days. So, uh, you know, obviously I didn't do so many of them. I did, I did a lot of interviews with, you know, sort of with, with industry magazines and things like that, you know, with bass guitars, bass magazines and things. Um, but a lot of people obviously wanted to talk to the three uh, front men in the band. Right on, right on. And and speaking of bass, what, what gear do you use? Is it a different setup when you're on stage versus the studio? In the studio, it's, it's very much 
uh, pretty much straight into the board, um, and then um, you know various preamps here and there, uh, depending on what song and what sounds we want. I mean, I've got a great, use great bass guitars, Inspectors. You know that they they're, they're superb bass guitars, and they have a great natural sound without any uh, any processing whatsoever. You know, so getting the different sounds is quite you know quite easy really. Uh, on stage, um, obviously, I just said Spectre Guitars. I've been with them now for, well, must be 30 years or so. I've been with Spectre since so 1986, I think I started started wow. using them. Um, and SWR amplification, um, some triad cabinets, and um, oh, various amplifiers, depending on where, where, where I'm playing, you know. It's uh, anything for ranging from about 900 to about 1,500 watts. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ian, we really appreciate your time today. I know your schedule is very tight, so thanks for taking some time to talk to us. Uh, before I let you go, we heard we heard rapid fire, and it looked like you guys were rehearsing that in in somebody's uh, living room or something, uh, and it sounded just great. Any any clues you can give us as to maybe some other tracks that will end up in the set list? Um, oh, it's early days as, as yet, but uh, but that that's probably going to be one of them. Um. I don't know, there'll be another couple off, off the new record as well. Uh, let me see, maybe Traitor's Gate. Um, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, we'll be getting together a week beforehand, you know, before we start the tour in, in Florida. Uh, we're all learning various things, you know. There might be a necromancer in there somewhere or a spectre. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get the final set list once we start playing through them together as a band. I mean, we just kicking them around at home in our own studios at the moment. And where where um, do you guys rehearse? Is that like some because it, it really looks like somebody's living room in that video? Um, I forget which one it was. It, that could be uh, that's Andy uh, Andy Snoop's studio. That's oh, okay. the room at Andy Snoop's studio in uh, backstage studios up in Derbyshire in Britain. Right on. Um, yeah, don't call it a front room though. <laughs> <laughs> he won't like that. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Ian, you have a great. Yeah, we've been. I was going to say we've been we've been using Andy's place, uh, you know, since, since he's been uh, involved with the band. Uh, sort of made sense. He's got a lot of lot of equipment up there, you know. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where we recorded that. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you for your time today, Ian, and we cannot wait to see you on the tour here in the states, starting real soon, the beginning of May, and running through the end of June. Judas Priest out on tour with Uriah Heep. Thank you, Ian. Okay, cheers, Bob. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon.
Deal with the Devil by Judas Priest. Always love that song going back. That is, of course, on that particular song, you got K.K. Downing, Glenn Tipton, two guys who are no longer playing with the band, sadly, and, uh, of course, Ian Hill on the bass on that one, right? So always love the Priest, always love Judas Priest. Looking forward to the, the tour that's coming around. And the first time I ever saw Judas Priest was, of course, with Dokken opening on the, I guess that was the Fuel for Life tour, which was at the Rosemont Horizon in the Chicago suburbs, Rosemont, Illinois. That was, uh, let's see, that was 1986, August 11th, according to Wikipedia right here, August 11th, 1986. I know I still have my ticket stub somewhere upstairs. Still have the Fuel for Life Judas Priest t-shirt. Maybe that'll make it on to a future episode of This Old Rock Shirt, which is a YouTube show that Emily and I do. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Again, This Old Rock Shirt. It is uh, hosted by myself and my wife, Emily Striegel, and we talk about old rock shirts, so it's, and it's a lot of fun, man. We just did one on Motley Crue, so definitely check that out. Uh, again, on the Talking Metal YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Talking Metal, this old rock shirt. Again, so the first time I saw Priest was in 1986 on the Fuel for Life tour, which was for the Turbo album, an album that I personally love. I know it was kind of controversial, but it's good. It's great stuff. Everyone... You know, I spoke to Glenn Tipton about it many years ago. I spoke to KK about about it, and they they both seem to really love that record, which is cool because I do. And I know there's some of the hardcore fans that got freaked out that they, you know, changed their image a little bit and added some synthesizer. But and if that if that is enough to turn you off to an album, I I think you're the one with the problem. What you can't you can't get into an album because the band goes a little glammy that affects your ability to listen to the music. I always thought that was absolutely ridiculous. If you can't listen to a band because you don't, you think they look too glammy, that is so stupid. And that's what I, there was so many thrashers that were such posers because they, they couldn't accept anything that wasn't in their little thrash metal view of the world. I'm I'm going back, you know, 30 years at this point. I think we're all a little bit more open-minded now. But yeah, Turbo, I loved that record. It was a great record. And anyways, the band that opened the long-winded way to get to the next song, huh, guys? The, the band that opened the night was a band called Dokken. And I loved Dokken. It was the first time I got to see them live. The first time I saw Priest live. And it was a great night. I had bought two tickets that were like nosebleed seats. Um, but then I ended up winning two, two seats for the concert that were down front. Yeah. So it was great. And I ended up uh, selling the the two seats I had one, one of them went to a friend of mine and yeah, we all went to the show and, and wow, great memories, great memories. It was a great night and Dokken played that night. And I believe they were, I want to say that was uh, under lock and key era for Dokken, which would have meant that the song I'm about to play is uh, was after that, but I'm going to hit it anyways. This is Dream Warriors, which again would have come out a, a couple of years after they had toured opening up for Priest on that uh, Turbo, turbo uh, Tour Fuel for Life. So anyways, if, if I'm making any sense, I feel like I'm kind of all over the place here, but here we go. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Dean Hill. This is Dream Warriors by Doc. Mm-hmm. 